Thanks for listening to this sermon recording from Liberty Family Church in Hillsville, Victoria, Australia. All of our sermons are available for free online, and we encourage you to subscribe to our sermon podcast through iTunes or by clicking the button on our website. If you'd like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, or would like more information about our church, head to www.libertyfamilychurch.net.au. God bless you, and we pray that this sermon recording encourages you and strengthens your faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. I am really loud, and (laughs) other than being really loud, I am really excited. I am really excited to see how God is going to lead and empower us to boldly share the gospel with others in this season in the life of our church. You know, God is, has just spoken to so many people about this, and I am really excited to see how he's going to lead us. How good was Mike Smith the other week? So good, so encouraging, so challenging, so it fills us with hope, doesn't it, that we can, that we're called to and we can. And who's already been encouraged through going through some of the Every Believer Can sort of journey? It's been really good as well. God's at work in and through us. And I really just believe that that God is going to take us deeper. God is going to give us opportunities. God is going to lead us in how to effectively share the gospel with others so that we can be effective witnesses to see people come to his kingdom, to see people embrace freedom to see people become sons and daughters just like we are ourselves. So exciting. So let's be praying. Let's let's believe for that, but more than just believe for that, let's pray into that as well as a church. Yeah? Let's be praying that many, many people would become sons and daughters because we take a step out and take a step of faith and invite God to use us for his kingdom's sake. Amen? Amen. So... This morning, we, we are launching a new series called Heart for the Lost. And this series, my prayer for this series is that it will do a few key things for us. Firstly, it will remind us of God's heart for the lost. Anyone who doesn't have saving faith in him. Secondly, it will encourage us to be more intentional in sharing the good news with other people. And also... This series is going to challenge us to be truly spirit-led in how we go about sharing the good news with others. It's going to be a great series. And so let's pray right now and let's just devote this series to God and this morning in his word so that he would be able to speak powerfully through me so that you don't hear just words, but you hear life-changing truths that will transform your life and your heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you want to see all people saved. Not a few, not 22,000, not 166,000, not 2.34 million, but you want to see every single person on the face of this planet reached with your gospel. And so, Lord, we pray as we embark, as we continue on this journey together as a church family, Lord, that you would give us a heart for the lost. Lord, that you would give us a heart for those who do not yet know you.
And then, Lord, we would also have soft hearts so you can come and shape us and empower us so we can effectively share the good news with others. So, Lord, we pray that you would move powerfully through us and that you would speak straight to our hearts this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's no doubt that God's heart beats strong for those who are lost. And he wants us to play a part in reaching those who are lost with his gospel. Mike shared a lot about this last week, didn't he? From the Bible, we learn that anyone who doesn't know Jesus, anyone who doesn't know Jesus, that is, anyone who doesn't have saving faith in Jesus, is lost. That's what the Bible says. John 3.36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. In other words, whoever does not believe in the Son and obey Jesus will never see life. They're lost. And in our modern culture of moral relativism, there's a term for you, where truth is pretty well whatever you feel like it should be when you wake up in the morning. This is my truth today. Basically, moral relativism says that truth is relative and not absolute. So truth to Ray is different than truth to Tom, and, it's, and there are no absolutes. So there are no, nothing can be certain in life when it comes to truth. That's what a um, postmodern sort of thinking would say. And you can imagine that even as we think about some of the statements that Jesus makes, some of the statements that the Bible makes... It's no wonder that a lot of what Jesus says goes down like a bit of a lead balloon, isn't it? You know, people are lost. Now we don't like that. That's your truth, but that's not my truth. I'm quite happy where I'm at. Thank you very much. But according to Jesus, this is perfectly true. It's an essential, unchanging truth. Unchanging something we can be sure of. Jesus says that if anyone, that anyone is lost if they don't know him. Yeah? It's as simple as that. It's black and white. And sometimes we can because of the culture, the, the culture that we live in, we, where truth is relative and it regularly changes, doesn't it? You only need to look back over the decades to see how different things that once were frowned upon are now widely celebrated in the streets. We now have parades for some things that 50 years ago you wouldn't even talk about. And we, because we live in this kind of society, sometimes we can forget or at least not be super mindful of this kind of thing as we go about in life and interact with people. When we look at people and you know, we see their beautiful hearts the kindness, the love they show to other people, we can so easily be blinded to their actual spiritual state before God. Yeah? Here's the thing. Jesus says that your kind, considerate, 90-year-old granny, got a picture, who delivers meals on wheels to lovely old people, because she's not old herself, you know, those kind of grannies, 
and he's always helping out with knitting blankets to warm prem babies at the Royal Children's Hospital. And reportedly was grumpy once back in 1993 when Spotlight stuffed up her order. <laughs> Anyone got a granny like that? Well, Jesus says that because she doesn't yet know him, she's lost. It's what Jesus says. It's not what I say, it's what Jesus says. Jesus says that the generous, warm, the hospitable cafe owner down the street who always welcomes you with a smile and miraculously remembers your complicated half-strength fair trade decaf ice caramel oatmeal milk frappuccino every single time you go in and who you see. He often blesses people who are doing it tough with muffins and coffee for free. Jesus says that because he doesn't yet know him, he's lost. Jesus says that the truly beautiful Muslim men and women that my family and I met whilst on a holiday last year in Singapore and Malaysia, people who showed themselves time and time again to be so thoughtful and considerate and showed remarkable warmth to both Laura and myself and to our girls as well, Jesus says that because many of them follow Islam and worship Allah and don't yet know him, Jesus says they're lost too. It's really easy to miss this reality, isn't it, as we go about life? It's really easy to miss this. We look at people. We see precious people created in the image of God. Maybe we think of family members. Maybe we think of friends who are so beautiful and so dear to us, genuine, kind, and loving people. And yet we can so easily miss, or maybe, I've been there before, maybe we can even choose to just look past because we love them so much. We actually look past their spiritual condition and standing according to Jesus. We don't really like absolute statements today, and Jesus made a cracker in John 14:6. It went down well then, and it would probably go down just as well now when he said these words. And, and by saying what he did in, in John 14, 6, Jesus left his disciples then and he leaves us today with not a shadow of a doubt as to what is required for lost people to be found. Yeah? For lost people to be found and to be able to enjoy the peace and the abundant life that he offers to all with God. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, Jesus is the key. Jesus is the door through which we all must enter if we're to be found, if we're to go from being lost to being found. And, you know, if I was to, if I was to preach this exact same thing in La Trobe University where I studied when I did social work, you can imagine how well this would be received. Not very well at all. It's offensive. It's offensive in our day. It was offensive in Jesus' day too. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one can find peace and life with God unless they believe in him. Yeah? Now, the thing with belief is that it's more than just acknowledging that Jesus existed, yeah? You know, we can, we can believe in something without necessarily 
having our lives changed as a result of believing in something. Yes? You know, it's one thing believing that Jesus existed, if I recall Satan and his little helpers, they believe that Jesus exists and tremble, yeah? It's, but it's another thing altogether that, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. The great I am, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, the door through which is the only way to receive eternal life and abundant life right now with God. C.S. Lewis, I love C.S. Lewis. Who loves C.S. Lewis? He argues this point perfectly in a, in a classic. And if you haven't read this before, you probably should. It's called Mere Christianity. And here's how he really paints a picture of who Jesus is and the, and the challenge to our, to our intellect and to our hearts, ultimately, in terms of thinking around who this Jesus truly is. And he says this, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something much worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Wow. And you see, friends, this is why you and I have the remarkable opportunity, the privilege of being called to share the gospel. Because Jesus is who he says he is, and therefore because he is who he says he is, he's really good news for people. He's the news that people have been looking for, whether they recognize it or not. This is why we're called to share the gospel, so that people might know who he actually is and find freedom through what he's done as they believe and put their trust in him. You know, many people will say, hey, Jesus was a good teacher. He was, he was pretty good. He, a few of his things that he said, I liked a few of his things, and I didn't like a few of these other things because truth is relative for me, so I'll, I'll just disregard that and go with this. You know, some recognize Jesus as a good teacher or a prophet. Islamic teaching acknowledges Jesus as a prophet. But we know that Jesus wasn't merely a good teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. Jesus was and is the only one who can save. The only one who can make the lost found in this life and for all eternity in the one to come. The only one who can draw the lost and see the lost brought into relationship with their Father. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And because, friends, we know this to be true, we've known this to be true, many of us here have made the choice to follow Jesus, to, to believe in him, believe in who he says he is, and then say, all right, Jesus, I'm done living for myself. I'm going to live for you now. 
Shape me, make me more like you, help me, teach me, guide me. Many of us have done that. And because we know this to be true and we've experienced the relationship with God that is better than anything that this life could offer, we hold that freeing news that other people, every single person who's lost in the world, whether they acknowledge it or recognize it or not, is actually looking for. That's the reality of the gift that we've been given. Yeah? Do we know that to be true? Every single person on the face of this earth has been created by God and will only ever truly be at peace in this life and in the one to come when they discover freedom and relationship in Jesus. That's the only way. And we're called to share this great news with others so that they might come to experience this freedom for themselves. All right. I want to be really transparent with you this morning. Evangelism has never, ever, ever been my strong suit. Never. Not at all. Evangelism, it's fair to say, would be something that I've struggled with ever since I came to Jesus as a teenager right here in this church. Sharing the good news with others, particularly with my lips, with words, was never something that came naturally to me. I remember back in the day when I, when I first became God and Jesus saved me. Old friends of mine that had found out that I was one of those crazy born-again believers, uh, they noticed differences in my life. They, they saw that I kind of wasn't as rude to them as I used to be, that I was kind of considerate now and actually went out of my way to help other people rather than just try and take all that I could get from others. And they noticed that and they recognized the many things that I used to do with them that I didn't do with them anymore and they noticed some changes there. But the thing was, they knew that I was a Christian but I didn't share my faith with them very much at all beyond just good works. And I wasn't then, and, and I'm not today. I'll be honest with you. I'm not today. I'm not a gifted evangelist. It's not my gift. It's not my gift at all. I'm daily learning, though, and I'm inviting Holy Spirit to help me to do the work of an evangelist, as Paul spoke to Timothy and encouraged him in. And I'm, as Mike said last Sunday, I'm, I'm inviting God to help me to be a more effective witness for the gospel. And if I'm really honest with you this morning, over many years, I just shied away from verbally sharing the good news of Jesus with anyone. Just be honest with you here. I hid behind what I'd call the safety barrier of good works. For a long time, I focused on doing anything and everything that I could to share the gospel without using words. Anyone familiar with this quote? Share the gospel and, if necessary, use words. You might have heard that one before. I like the sound of this. It, it really resonated with me. I figured, hey, if I live like Jesus and... And if I treat people with love and compassion like Jesus did, 
then people are going to see that. People are going to know. They're going to ask me about Jesus. And I think if I'm honest, I twisted this statement. I used this statement to kind of further my paralysis with this. I, I twisted it and sort of justify my choice, my choice to share the gospel without ever using words. People saw me doing Jesus-like things. People saw me as a kind or generous person, but nothing more. Nothing more. To them, I was just another good, kind, considerate human being. I could have been a thoughtful atheist for all they knew, a faithful Muslim, a kind-hearted agnostic. There was no reference point for my good works with my friends and my family at this particular time because I wasn't actually speaking about the Jesus who had truly transformed my heart and washed away all the weight of the sin and the dirtiness and the, the regrets and all the things that were, you know, of my old self. And I just wasn't sharing that with them at all. I was hiding, so to speak, behind good works, and I increasingly became paralyzed in the safe position behind my safety barrier of good works. Now, here's the thing. The words of this quote that we saw just before, they're okay. They're okay in the sense that they encourage us to live out our faith because we do need to do that. We need to be Jesus' examples, the ambassador. An ambassador doesn't just influence in terms of words. Ambassadors influence in terms of their character, in terms of their presentation as well. But what I want to suggest is that these kind of words can be incredibly dangerous to our faith. They can be incredibly dangerous if we, like I did, equate evangelism with only doing good works and living life in Jesus' way. You know what I'm saying? Like doing things that look like Jesus. Sharing the good news with others requires all these things, but more than just these things as well. If we actually want to love people like Jesus and follow Jesus' example for us that he set and playing our part in his great commission, we need to be people who are bold and courageous and know that we are spirit-led and God's right behind us and he's already gone before us. And we need to be those who put up the hand to share the gospel in deed and in word. Now, Hear me here. We've probably all seen those street preachers in Melbourne before who you come past and you get hit with a, a barrage of, turn or burn! It's, re it's really effective stuff, isn't it? It makes me turn all right, and I'm a Christian. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, that we kind of go into those kind of conversations that we have with people with our gospel guns blazing. Here we go, you're going to get it now. And hit them between the eyes with a carefully rehearsed, slick gospel presentation. It's not what I'm suggesting. It's not a good thing to do with someone you first met or even with someone that you've known for decades. It's probably not going to go down so well. 
Personally, I've found that sharing the gospel is a process. It's something that, that happens bit by bit as we sow seed after seed after seed after seed and we're faithful in witness and conversation with people that we've built solid relationship, trust and rapport with over a long, long period of time. Yeah? Does anyone else know that to be true? I love what Kevin Harney says about this. He um, has written, wrote an article that, that on this topic, it's really helpful, and I've included the quote in your newsletter so you can take it home and, and ponder it throughout the week. Here's what he says. He says, You can love people, serve people, care for people, and model a great life. Your actions will nudge people. They will create curiosity. They will open hearts to an interest in the gospel. Others may even model your actions, and this is a good thing. But there will come a moment when you will need to tell your story, when you will need to tell the story from start to finish. Sin, redemption, death, resurrection, why it matters. The truth is that no matter how much we try to live in a way that reveals the presence of Jesus, words will still be needed. At some point along the way, Everyone needs to hear and comprehend the content of the gospel. So true, isn't it? There will come a time. There will come a time. There will come a time in the relationships that we have with our friends, local legends in the community, family members, where God is going to call us, if you are like me, he's going to call us out from behind our safe place, out from behind the safety barrier of wherever we feel comfortable in terms of our Christian witness. And he's going to call us out so that we can actually go there, so that we can actually go there in sharing the fullness of the gospel with our words as well as our deeds. God really challenged me late last year in this way. And it's all my grandma's fault too. I'll just put it out there. Need someone to blame. It's all my grandma's fault. She was turning 90. And because it was a special birthday coming up, she was on my heart. She was on my mind. I was just thinking about her and, and praying for her. And just she was on, in my thoughts all the time. And my family were preparing a, a very special celebration for her 90th. Although in her case, it seems when you get to 90, you're kind of over birthdays and you don't really want any fuss. So I don't know about me. I reckon if I made it to 90, I'd be, I'd be celebrating. Like that's, that's, a, that's a win there. Um, and we, so we were preparing this celebration and, and we, put, we were just, she was on our mind. She was on our hearts and all the family were talking about it and thinking about it. And we were talking about it as a family in my home as well. And Laura and I try as, as much as we can, as much as we can, to pray for people who don't yet know Jesus. We pray for friends. We pray for members of Pitter Patter Playgroup and other church ministries as well. We pray for family members. And one of the per people that we've prayed for for a long time has been my grandma. And you see, my grandma was one of those people where you'd is so super private that you wouldn't know what she's thinking half the time, yeah? She could be at her family do and just be there in silence 
And then you say to her afterwards, did you have a good time? Yes, I had a lovely time. But you'd never really know where she was at with anything. And it was really no different when it came to her journey of faith either. She grew up in the Church of England. She married my grandpa, who was a Methodist, which, for those of you who don't know, is not a good thing between those two. It's kind of like frowned upon, as they discovered. But I knew about that, but I'd never really, in all the time I'd known her, talked with her about my faith or heard where she was at with her faith. She just didn't go there. Her children are all Christian, but I wasn't really sure where she was at. And I think if her children were honest, they weren't really sure with where she was at either. And because of this, Laura and I, she was on our heart and we prayed for her regularly for her to be saved. And one night as Laura and I were having a, having a coffee in the evening and a, and a catch-up after the kids finally went down to sleep, we were, we were chatting and, and just talking about Gran. And then Laura just said something that I just knew as soon as she said it that God was speaking through her directly to me. Laura said to me, she said, why don't you write your grandma a letter for her birthday to see where she's actually at with her faith? And as soon as those words had left her mouth, they went poof in my heart. And I was like, Jesus, you want me to do this, don't you? And he said, yes. You see, my grandma, she, would know, she knew that we were Christian. She knew that I was a pastor. She knew that I believed in God. She knew for the most part through my actions over many, many years, although she'd tell you otherwise, I'm sure, that I was someone who cared for people and lived to serve others, not kind of always for my own good. But she'd never once heard me share the gospel. Never once. We never had a conversation about faith, ever. Ever. And God, he was calling me out. God was calling me out from behind my safety barrier of good works to take a step to share the gospel with my grandma. And so... I did what God asked me to do. I wrote a letter. I wrote down all the things that I loved about my grandma. I wrote about all the memories that I had of her that I cherish still to this very day. I told her how much I appreciate her, how much I respect her, how much I love her. And then I went there. Then I went there. I told her the way in which I love her is nothing compared to the way in which Jesus Christ loves her. I briefly shared the good news of the gospel in this letter. And then I wrapped it up with, you know, I'm sharing this with you, Grandma, because I love you so much and I just love the opportunity to catch up and talk with you more about this because I really just don't know where you're at with your faith and, you know, I wouldn't, I, I just, I'd love to know. If this is something you do, let's get together, let's have a chat. And so then I sealed the envelope I managed to find a stamp after a lot of searching. I'm one of those ones who doesn't have cash or stamps. And I mailed it off. Now, I would be lying to you if I said that I wasn't nervous right there at the post box. I was, in all honesty, I was actually petrified in the natural. I was fearful. I was feeling like, what is this going to do to my relationship with my grandma? What potentially might this do if other family members find out that I went there and then they're not happy that I went there? And all those thoughts were rushing 
through my head. And yet, at the same time, whilst I had that in the natural, in the supernatural, I had that peace deep within that this was something that Jesus wanted me to do. So I let it go, (laughs) walked away, and I prayed. And I said, God, you have to do something special here because I really don't know how this is going to go down. This could be like a lead balloon. And so I prayed that God would do something special. And he did. Within a week, I found this beautiful handwritten letter from my grandma sitting right there in my mailbox when I got home from work. My heart skipped a beat when I saw it because I recognized her writings from the many Christmas cards and birthday cards that I would have received over the years. And she's of that generation who stamped the back as well, just in case you can't read their name. They stamp it with their printed... Yeah, anyway, no offense if anyone does that. I'm just commenting. And I saw it there and, and, I, and I opened it up and I began to read. And I was absolutely gobsmacked. I was just blown away. My grandma shared a whole lot of things with me. She told me of her upbringing in church, of her family as a young person. She told me of the challenges that she and her family faced because of the Great Depressions and World Wars. She told me the absolutely horrible things that she experienced with her church, the Church of England, all because she wanted to marry someone unclean from another denomination. A Methodist. (laughs) But here's the thing. Then she went there. Then she went there. She spoke about her faith in Jesus Christ. She told me that she'd never once lost her faith. Through the ups, through the downs, she told me that her faith in God was the very thing that had kept her going to reach the ripe old age of 90 years old. And then she said, which just blew me away and I had tears in my eyes, I remember. She said that she would very much like for me to come down to her retirement village to have a conversation with her about Jesus and her faith. How good is that? Because I was faithful in getting from out of my comfort zone and actually going there with my grandma, we were both able to go there together. And God did something truly beautiful when we met up only a matter of weeks ago. It was so good. We talked about, we talked about faith. We talked about the gospel. I asked her what her experience of Jesus was like. And she told me how she, she described this active, real relationship with Jesus where this will sound weird to you, Joel, but I don't pray. I just talk to Jesus. And I said, that doesn't sound weird to me at all. That sounds really good. Sounds like you know him the way he wants, you to be, wants him to be known by you. And we talked about prayer and we, we prayed together and we talked about the abundant life that Jesus offers and the abundant life that he still wants her to live till the very end of her days, however many more days she's got left. It was a truly remarkable time. And it was great because... What it took was me having the courage, the God-given courage, to actually go there, to step out of where I was well and truly comfortable. And I would say maybe at times even paralyzed 
behind the safe barrier of good works to actually go out and go there with my grandma. Perhaps some of us can relate with what I've shared this morning. Perhaps for you, this, this barrier, this barrier of good works is very much a reality in your life, something that has been keeping you from going beyond good works and stepping out with words of life as well, verbally sharing the gospel with other people. Now, I'm, I'm confident that it might not be a grandma, but we've got, each of us would have a grandma, so to speak, in our lives, wouldn't we? I'm sure even as I was telling that story of my grandma, you can think of people who, who are at that point that you were at, that, that I was at, sorry, with my grandma, that, that you know you're not quite sure where they're at either with their faith. Maybe it's someone you love and care deeply for, but someone who you just don't know. You just don't know. They might have grown up in church and they might have had some pretty challenging seasons like my grandma did, and you just really don't know where they're at. Someone that maybe like me, they've known you to be a Christian, but you've actually never gone there and taken a, a step of faith from beyond the safety barrier to step out and actually go there with your words, with that loved one. Well, I believe that God really wants to encourage and empower us this morning with his boldness. God wants to really encourage and empower us just like he encouraged and empowered me to actually go there with people. You know, there is no doubt that the way we live our lives and the way we model our faith is so, so important. And it does go a long way to opening up opportunities to share further, but there comes a point when God will call us to verbally share further. Amen? And I believe this morning that God actually wants to release some of us who maybe were bound behind a barrier like I was when it comes to evangelism. So what we're going to do, it might be difficult to have music now, but we are going to have a time of prayer where I just love it if this has really resonated with you. If you're like, man, that is so me. I don't want to be stuck behind that, but I feel like I am. But I want to be bold. I want to be courageous. I want to be spirit-led. When God says, share with this person this thing, I want to be faithful to do that because I want to play my part in seeing people come to be found, seeing lost people saved. If that's you this morning, I just invite you to come forward as, as a step of faith as well, as a declaration of saying, yep, I am going to right now, I'm going to step forward. I'm going to step out and I'm going to trust you, Lord. Will you embolden me? Will you empower me for this work? So if that's you, let's, let's just stand right now. Let's all stand together. And if that's you, I just invite you to come forward right now. And I'm going to pray for us all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. 
thank you for multi-instrumentalists. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Let's just all pray. And those of us who, who uh, have not stepped forward, let's just reach out our hands as a sign that we're joining with these guys in praying that God would do a powerful work so that they can be bold for his name's sake. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much that you have given us the great joy, the great privilege of being your witnesses to the very ends of the earth. We thank you, Jesus, that you call us to live lives that reflect you, to be kind, compassionate, considerate, loving, love others as you have loved us. That's what you call us to. And we thank you, Lord, that by the power of your spirit, we can do those things as you work through us. And God, I just pray right now, because, Lord, this was me before too long ago. I pray, Lord, that every single person who feels that they have been caught behind the safety barrier, the barrier where it just feels safe. I'm okay, I'm okay kind of looking like Jesus, but I, don't, I don't, just don't know how to share about Jesus. Or maybe like me, it's, it's more of a fear thing. What will people say? What will people think? Will I destroy relationship with that friend forever? Lord, I just pray right now that you would gift wisdom and boldness to each of these people here. God, by your spirit, that you would just gift wisdom and boldness for these people to go and share confidently, knowing that you are the one who saves people, not us. It's not what we say. It's not the things that we even necessarily do, but it's your spirit at work in us and working through us that brings change, brings breakthrough. So, Lord, I pray that each of these people, that you would just embolden them, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them every single thing that they need, including that super sensitivity, the the Holy Spirit antenna, so to speak so that they would be able to discern exactly how you are leading them to share in each and every situation. God, I pray for each of these men and women that you would give them the courage, that you would give them the strength to step out in faith, to step out in faith and to actually go there with the people that you are calling them to go there with. Lord, And not only that, Lord, we know that you are going to do all this, but we also know, Lord, that it is your heart that none should perish. Not one. You want every single person to be close to you. And so we pray, God, that as we make faith steps this morning, as we make declarations in the spiritual realm and say, this is who I am, this is who God's calling me to be, I'm going to step out. As we do this, Lord, I pray that we would see great fruit to come from our efforts as well, Lord. That you would gift us with, with salvations. That we would play a part in seeing lost people become found in you. And God, we just, in advance, Lord, we just want to give you all the glory. We just celebrate you, Jesus. Thank you that we are found because of what you've done. 
And thank you, Lord, that you call us to share the good news with others so that they too might be found through what you've done. So bless every single one of us, Lord, we pray. And may we grow as people who do the work of an evangelist and are your witnesses everywhere we go. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.